Hello, everyone. Welcome to the EUG podcast. My name is Hector Vasquez, and my special guest today is Claudia Gadelia. Claudia, thank you for joining us here today. A pleasure, Hector. I admire what you do, and I think this is a special, right? Like, a, I think this podcast will bring a lot of information for the people that are far away just watching what we're doing. And mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of what we you do. You know, we work together, and I hope people learn from this podcast. Yeah, you know what? The, the podcast people were asking, like, what are we attacking? Are we attacking just MMA? Uh, I, I said, no, man, we're going to talk about life. We're going to talk about, you know, jiu-jitsu athletes. We're going to talk about food critics. I think if we give that the opportunity to grow, more people will be interested in what, what what's really going on in this world. Yeah, yeah. And you know, one thing that it's very interesting, like I find fighters getting stuck in that training mentality and not like finding new hobbies, finding other things to do. And sometimes that brings so much anxiety to their lives, right? So if there's like coaches that are open-minded and are always are always talking to, to the fighters about that, and if there's like podcasts and so social media with enough information for the fighters to kind of like get out of them and that mentality of only training, you know, right. that can help them a lot to get through training and life. Cause training is for, for a fight. It's so hard training for jujitsu competition competition is so hard. So this is a, a very good idea. Yeah, no. And I think we can also hit a lot of the, you know, mental health, mental issues that people are running into. Um, I think that a lot of people kind of shell up in those situations, mm -hmm. but I think just being able to just say what you have to say, your up people knowing your upbringing will open up for other people to be like, hey, I grew up like that too. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I, maybe these stories are the same. Just because someone's a little bit more famous or for a regular person to be like, man, I can understand that, you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm trying to build here. Let's right? Go. So let's go straight into it. So tell us a little bit about your childhood and your growing up in Brazil. Okay, so um, for who don't know me, my name is Claudia Gadelha. I just started telling everybody that my name is Claudia now because that's what makes me unique, yeah, right? Like, yeah. this is my name. Um, I feel like I was Claudia for so long in Brazil. Then I came to America and everybody started calling me Claudia and I became Claudia. But my name is Claudia, so Claudia. I'm embracing that now. Nice. <laughs> um, I grew up in Brazil, in the northeast of Brazil, in a small town closer to the Amazon area of Brazil. I grew up with no opportunities in life. My family, my, fa my father and my, my, my mother combined probably made $1,000 a month, and mm -hmm. they had four kids. Um, and amazing parents, by the way. I've, I had the opportunity to meet them, meet your sister, your, your niece, amazing family and man a lot of support they've given you through the years yeah thank you thank you that's the thing my my parents like they went through a lot of hard work to make sure we got the education we needed to get out there and do whatever we wanted to do right i say that now because like in the beginning of my career my parents they didn't support me they didn't want me to become a fighter you know but um when I realized that my mother wanted me to be a housewife with kids and get a regular job. Mm -hmm. I was like, hell no, I'm not <laughs> doing that. <laughs> this is not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. You know, and I always enjoyed like playing outside, playing sports, right. you know. 
And um, my mother always thought that was not a thing that girls do, right? right. Like girls don't play sports. Like we're talking about 33 years ago right. when I was born and when I was growing up in the northeast of Brazil, right? right. Um, the northeast of Brazil don't get a lot of information and resources because it's a very poor area. Like Rio de Janeiro, Sao Paulo, where like where the richer people are in Brazil, right. it's where things are, are are more modern, right? So I grew up up there with no information and just people that work hard. Just grind, yeah. I just grind. And my parents, they grinded a lot to make sure we had what we needed, mm -hmm. to make sure we had food in our plates and stuff like that. Um, so when I decided to do jiu-jitsu, my mother was like, what are you doing? This is not what girls do, you know? Yeah. So I had I had to hide from her for a long time, you know? And I started training jiu-jitsu at 14 years old. Just like in America, every kid goes to wrestling, right? In Brazil, everybody goes and do jiu-jitsu, jiu you know? And like back in the day, people used to do jiu-jitsu, like even on the streets, you know? And that's how I saw jiu-jitsu the first time. And I was like, oh shit, I like this, you know? Mm -hmm. And people playing capoeira outside, mm -hmm. you know? It's a whole thing in Brazil. And um, I was like, I like that. So I started training jiu-jitsu. My mother didn't like it, but I was like, I'm going to do it. And that was a big problem because she didn't want me to train yeah. jiu-jitsu. And I was like playing volleyball in, in school and trying to play, play soccer in school. But like she had a big problem with that, you know, and I always went like head to head with my mother. But then, you know. I kept doing, you know, I was just going to do it because yeah, I love it, you right. know. And uh, as she was working all day, you know, she didn't have the time to follow me and, and see what I was doing. So I would hit from her and go yes. train. Um, and then and at the age of like I was like almost 16 years old, mm -hmm. um, my mother started like having a real problem with that. And that's when I left her house and I went to Natal. But did you leave, did you let her know that you were leaving or you just left? I took off. Oh, and you like see? my father, my father, I was like, help me with this because I like I feel like I have talent. Right. I want to go like right. help me with this. Like the, there's like a better jujitsu school in Natal. There, there's where Kimur, mm -hmm. that's where Kimura Novo Union is. Okay. So um, my father has a, has family. It has like brothers and sisters in Natal. So he took me to live with uh, one of his brothers. And I was in his house for two months, in my, my uncle, uncle's house for two months. But then I decided to move to the gym. So I lived in the gym from like when I turned 16 to 18 years old. Wow. And you were the only female there? Or there was other there females? There was one more. There was one girl called Michelle Tavares. Okay. She's the first female that fought Valitudo outside of brazil oh wow like she fought in japan she i think she retired at like 10 and 2 like a good record but like she was like a pioneer of the sport one of the really really first one and actually the first one that went outside the country to fight mma hmm. and she's a very good jiu-jitsu uh, player and um she lives in brazil now but watching her was like this is great like i have somebody that i can watch and maybe right. learn from but um but then i started like training at kimura novo Neon and i i got to 
trained with Henan Barral, Josia Formiga, Ronan Marcus, guys that also made it to the UFC from that academy. And back then, man, that was probably one of the toughest rooms out there. Oh, yeah. I heard some stories like, you guys, there was not like, oh, touch, touch here. No, it was pojada the Full whole time. pojada, you know? Yeah. And this is the thing, too, like... We didn't even know what we were doing. We were just like beating the <laughs> shit out of each other. And we were like, this is how you get ready for a fight. Like, right. It's pojada every day. Wow. You know, and uh, but then um, when I was 18 years old, I was like, I need to get out of here and I need to go where the best fighters in Brazil are. Mm -hmm. And that's when I moved to Rio de Janeiro to train at the headquarters of Novo União. Mm -hmm. And it was such of a struggle and a hard time in my life right. because I left my parents' house so young and then I went and lived in the gym and I learned a lot of jiu-jitsu. Right. I competed a lot of jiu-jitsu. And that's the thing. When I was com competing in jiu-jitsu back in the day, it was like purple, brown, and black together. Together, yeah. Because there, there was not enough girls to compete against right. each other. So it was like at, at a at purple belt, I was very talented and I was beating the black belts that were they were also fighting MMA, you know. So that's how I started to come up and people started looking up to me. They were like, this girl, she's not fucking around. Right. Right. And then um, when I was 18, I was like, I'm going to go and train at Novo União. So I went to Rio de Janeiro, lived in the favelas, saw the crime and the big guns for the first time in my life. You know, it was crazy to me as a 18-year-old uh, girl seeing the crime and hearing the, the, the bullets going off and, you know, sure. the drug dealers trading right. bullets from one favela to another. I was like, oh, my God, this is crazy. But then I didn't have money to live anywhere right. else. So for some people that don't know what a favela is, I want to kind of explain it to them. Um, a favela is more... You, it's like a bunch of houses that are built like on top of these hills and just like one house connected to the next one. Some houses don't have no doors. It, it's just different. It's not the hood like everybody thinks it is. It's worse. It's like worse. there is no door. Your neighbor could easily just walk into your house and be like, oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's dangerous, man. And yeah. like some houses have, have no electricity, right. no running water. They use generators. You know? yeah, it's, yeah, it's super rough up there. And like they build houses in the edges of the, the cities, the biggest right. cities, right? right? So it's like where the hood in Brazil is, right. but worse than a hood in America. And right. I always say that, you know, being poor in Brazil no. and Mexico, it's way worse than way being worse. poor in America, Absolutely. man. I totally, you know? I totally agree. But yeah, that's what people always say. Oh, it's just a hood. No, it's a little bit different. Like yeah. People could just easily walk into your house. There's no front doors. Some of these places mm -hmm. don't have, like you said, no lights and no water. Yeah. You know, and so, and you all share maybe the same bathroom. And the, a cook, shower. the culture in there, it's crazy because, right. like, the girls, they look up to the drug dealers, right? Like, so, like, your daughter will grow up looking up to the guy that is selling drug in the favela because he's the most powerful guy in the favela. Right. So, like, the girls chase the drug dealers and the drug dealers, they, the, the, the boys think being a drug dealer is nice. Yeah. So, it's a whole culture right. behind it. And, like, like jiu-jitsu saves so many lives in the favelas in Brazil right. because they show, 
younger people a different perspective of, of uh, life. What is life, yeah. Yeah, so it, it's good. It's good that um, like we're putting more jujitsu in the favelas, but that's where I had to live when I moved to Rio de Janeiro because wow. I, I had no money to go and not, anywhere else. And not even knowing anybody, right? You're nah. just like, okay, I left my house, no permission. I just took off, had my dad kind of help me. And here I am like, okay, now I got to make it, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So when you arrived there, what was your next step? What did what, you do? So the whole thing, like for me, everything was different, right? Still seeing, just the, the fact of seeing buildings, like high, high buildings for me was weird because like I'm from the country, right? right. So like it was, I had so much anxiety over the buildings. I was like, what am I doing here and stuff right. like that. And then when I got to the favela, because I went to Novo Neon and there there was a black belt there that had rentals in the favela for what the was fighters. His what was his name? His name was Kurupira. Kurupira, okay. Kurupira. He, He's still there or no? He's still there. Nice. He was like a, a black belt from the favela. Like a hotel room. Yeah. Go. I got had, a room like, for you. He had a vision. He was like, I'm going <laughs> to rent out those rooms for, for fighters that comes nice. from the northeast yeah. of Brazil. And if you think about it, like I'll say 90% of the fighters and jiu-jitsu competitors from Brazil, they come from the northeast, you know, because they're hard workers. Right, they're grinders, right. Grind, you know, yeah. and they, they get down there south to, they go to Rio de Janeiro and Sao Paulo and they outwork people you know yeah. they, are, they outwork the talent because they're there to grind right uh -huh. so that I was one of the kids that did that transition and Jose Aldo was fighting MMA but he was not even in WC yet he was fighting for jungle fight jungle fights you know yeah. and Wally's uh, organization right? yeah Wally's organization he was fighting for that organization so when I got there the thing was like I didn't know anybody, but my jiu-jitsu instructor was Andre Pedroner as a student. Mm. So he called Andre and said, hey, uh, Claudia is going there. She wants to become a fighter. Right. So when I got there, I sat in front of the gym for probably like eight hours waiting for Andre to walk by. Mm -hmm. Because when I went to get the 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 info sheet to know like how much the gym membership right. was. I was like, no way I can pay for this. Right. I got to talk to this guy. Yeah. You know, so I waited for him to walk by and I was like, Hey, Andre, um, I'm Jair Lorenzo's a student and I, I want to, I want to train here. I want to become a fighter. And I'm talking about a time that women were not in the UFC. There was not enough women even competing jujitsu. Right. You know, there was only a few girls training and competing jiu-jitsu. So he looked at me and he was like, are you crazy? And he, like by that time, he had a lot of fighters from the Nazis, like Jose, Loro, Henan Barrao. He had a lot of fighters coming in. And I was like the first girl. Nice. And he thought I was crazy. But um, my dream was to become a jiu-jitsu competitor. Mm -hmm. But when I got there and I started seeing everybody training, I was like, I want to do this shit, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I want to get punched in the face yeah, a little bit. Let yeah. me get punched in the face. And uh, so they, when I got there, they offered me an MMA fight. I was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, I was fighting. Amateur fights? No. no straight pro? Straight pro. Because Jesus there was Christ. no amateur fights on yeah, that yeah, time, right, you know? Right, right. So, um, and then I was like, how much? They were like 200 plus 100. 200, yeah, 200 reals plus yeah. 100 reals. This is 60 bucks plus. Okay. I was like, dude, I got no shoes to train. I need shoes. <laughs> I have no money to pay my rent. <laughs> I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so I had like 
almost two months to learn a bit, a little bit of boxing right. and go out there and fight. And, you know, between all the struggles I had and the struggles learning boxing just to close the distance to take the girl right. down, it was like such of a struggle. But then I went there, fought, and the girl was a jiu-jitsu black belt. I was a blue belt. I went there, and I was so scared that I submitted her in 17 seconds. I punched, took her down, went to arm bar, and done. that was it. And that, that got you into, say... I can do this. I can do this. All right. I was like, there's no better feeling than winning, right? Of course. Winning is of course. amazing. You yeah. know how it feels. But right? when you lose? When you lose, you got to learn, right? You're going to learn. Gotta learn. You're going to learn from everything. I, I feel like a lot of athletes don't understand. You either win or you learn. Mm -hmm. And you got to take those and see where you can fix those uh, areas that, that you were having uh, an issue with. And just grow from it and mm -hmm. be a better athlete. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what my thought was. It's it's part of the the learning process. Yeah. It's part of your journey. You know, like I feel like the the fear of failure kills more dreams than failure itself. Right? right. When when you going out there to that those like under those big lights, those bright lights, you gotta be in the present moment, you know, and you have to prepare for that. In the same way you prepare, like your punches, your slips, your sweeps, your get ups, your, your submissions, you gotta prepare for yeah. that moment mentally, you know? Yeah. You have to almost be there before being there, you know, get ready for it. So, do you feel that maybe, like I, me personally, and from what I've seen, the way we did Brandon's last, last camp, we did, we put the music, at the at the UFCPI, like the sound of all the crowd yelling, we did the rounds, you know, emulating the fight. Do you feel like that kind of helps? I feel like that helps a lot. Yeah, you know, like your brain doesn't know the difference between like when you're thinking or when you're doing. Right. And I feel like when when you prepare, when you like you go over what you are gonna go through. Your brain goes through it like so many times before actually happening. Mm. When I did that for the first time, I was like, when I stepped in the octagon, I was like, oh, I've been here before. I know what Muscle this memory. feels like, you know, because yeah. I trained my brain right. to be there, you know, and the, the the mental training, like, hey, I'm like just going over. I'm in, in the van with my coaches. We drive into the arena. We got to the arena, like. I trained everything over and over. I right. visualized everything over and over. And when I got there, I was like, I, I already know yeah. what that is. I've been here. Yeah. You know, and if you stop to look at the highest achievers in, the, in sports, you know, they all visualize things. Yeah, so it's true. I feel like it's a skill that fighters have to learn how That's to use true. it. I agree, I agree. So being there with... A bunch of badasses in one of the hardest MMA rooms in the world on that time was a blast for me, right? Being mm -hmm. there with Jose and with Hennen was a blast for me. I feel like I'm lucky to because I had that opportunity to learn from like the best at the time, mm -hmm. you know. And um, that's how I came up in MMA. And I started like beating everybody in Brazil and people started talking about me in MMA. And then I signed with Invicta. I was mm -hmm. nine and zero. Invicta hired me to fight Carly Esparza for the for the belt. Right. And um, I hurt my nose 
10 days, I, like I broke my nose 10 days before the fight. Right. Then we rescheduled the fight and I got very sick cutting weight. So my, my fight with Carla Esparza didn't happen in Victa. I fought other girls in Victa. Mm-hmm. And then the UFC, they, they wanted to la- launch the strawweight division in the mm-hmm. UFC. And they bought 11 fighters from Invicta to launch the strawweight division mm-hmm. in the UFC. And I was the number one contender for Invicta. So I was one of the mm-hmm. ones, in, got, the got ones in the package, right? right? I got purchased. And then I was actually the first female to step and win in the UFC octagon mm-hmm. in the strawweight division. Wow. So it, I felt like everything was worth it, right? right. Remember, remembering... Struggle. The struggles, going up the favelas, crying, thinking about like, hey, is this really gonna be worth it? You know, like I remember, I like it's very clear in my mind when I was going up those stairs, so tired after training and really like rethinking everything. Like, I hope this this pays is off. this really pays off yeah. one day because it's super super hard work and you know I'm here by myself my family is all the way in the northeast I have no friends I'm just here right. doing something that it it doesn't exist yet but right. I have the vision and I kept going and it happened so when I first stepped in there I was like right. oh wow this is amazing and I had a whole career in the UFC fought for the UFC for 9 years nice. recently retired back in December yep. and I moved How's that on. going for you? Well, I moved on so quick, <laughs> right? Because in a lot of people, they still don't believe. They go like, oh, Claudia's going to be back because I train every day. Like, yeah, it's yeah. my lifestyle, right. you know? I'm never going to lose the, the things I learned from fighting, you know, the, the yeah. diets, like the nutrition, taking care of my brain, my mind, my body, you know, the skills I built in martial arts. I'm never going to forget yeah. that. And I want to pass that to the next generation. Yeah. I feel like... If I don't do that, I'm, I'm, I'm not being good for the world, you know? And one of my missions mm-hmm. in life is to live the world a, a better place than what I found and live martial arts, a, a better art right. than what I found. And now, I, I mean, I've known you for, what, four years, five years? Five years. And um, we've talked about how a lot of these athletes, after their fight career is over, they don't set themselves up for future and, you know, for their future. You've done a great job on that. You've expanded your brand after that. And mm-hmm. now you continue to grow as an entrepreneur, doing other uh, ventures outside of MMA. Can mm-hmm. you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, like fighting is just a part of who we are, right? And I feel like us fighters, we get stuck in that, that mentality just because fighting is so hard. We don't want to... We don't want to worry about anything else, right? But then I was like, in the same way I had a vision to make it to the UFC one day when there was, n- there was no women in the UFC, I had the vision of creating something out of my life, you know? And in my opinion, I know a lot of people have other opinions out there, but this is a strong opinion for me. Fighting, it's probably a career for a lot of people but like for me fighting it's not a career fighting is an opportunity for you to do so much to play the sport you love to to build relationships to go out there and and do the sport you love but build on 
to the next phase of your life. I agree. Because you're not going to fight forever. This is not going to be on, in your life forever. Mm -hmm. And guess what? If you don't prepare for the next phase of your life, you're going to be de depressed as fuck. Yeah. You're going to be sad. Yeah. You're going to be thinking about a time that was a struggle and you loved it, but loved and hate in the time you were doing, but it, then it's not part of you anymore. Right. So you have to prepare yourself for that next phase of your life, you know, and actually like deciding retirement for me, it was very challenging because I was already stepping in the octagon with that feeling. I was like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And it's mm -hmm. emotional for me because right. like, it's almost like a, lo a, a loss of identity, right? right? And I always say like an athlete dies twice. You die the day you retire. You, you dead, dude. You dead. Like you world is upside down. You don't know what to do. You wake up and you, like you you're not gonna train anymore. You don't have to die, die, uh, eat the way you used to eat anymore. Like people are not calling you to check on you right. anymore. Like everything changes, Absolutely. right? So if you don't prepare for that, you're gonna be depressed, right? Mm -hmm. So you lose. You die right there. And then you die when you really die, right? right? So that um, loss of identity, it's something that you really have to work on. And that's what I'm doing every day. I moved on. I'm never going to step in that octagon again. But then my mission is to help the next generation to do it better mm -hmm. and make them understand that there's so much more out of life and there's so many things you can do in your career to set you up to success after fighting. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. One other thing I know your future. What are, what are your future plans? What do you got going? Okay, so right now I work as I'm I'm, I'm the director of athlete development in the UFC Performance Institute. That's how I move on, right? I move on, I moved on to the next thing. Right. And I work closely with Forrest Griffin, love the guy. He's so amazing. honest, transparent, amazing. amazing. Straight to the point. He's straight no, to no the filter. point. You know, funny and creative, you know, like he, this guy is, is he's great for the sport. You know, he was good for the sport when that fight happened in the Ultimate Fighter against Stephen Bonner. And then he's great for the sport now. You know, mm -hmm. he's a really a, a whole model for the sport. And being around here is a blast for me. I'm learning awesome. so much, you know. And um, I get more involved with the fighters. I'm taking care of the Latin American fighters. Nice. You know, um, there's a lot of Brazilians in the UFC Performance Institute now. And we are 15% of the UFC. So That's amazing. Great number, That's right? Great number. 32% are Americans. Yeah. 15% Brazilians, and then we go Russian, Russians, Mexicans, you know, and on and on. Right. But, like, Brazil and America are, like... Yeah. The, the A lot of great talent comes out of Brazil, yeah, let's be honest. Yeah. You know? So um, I'm working with Brazilians, some nice. people from... Pan like, there's Jocelyn Edwards from Panama. Nice. You know, there's um, some Mexicans in there as well. And I just love, I love how warm we are, you know, and how, like, we help each other. But um, this is my professional life. Okay. I also have my real estate business. Nice. Hector, remember when I was fighting, you were like, hey, do real estate, buy your house. You know, yeah. now, Get I, rid of the porch. Uh -huh. Stop buying those expensive shoes. Yeah, yeah. Invest your money. Uh -huh. And now look at you. You got what? How many houses? I have seven. 
seven houses now. Look at I that. have an Airbnb business in Las Vegas. If you want to rent one of my houses, <laughs> let me know. <laughs> yeah. Got a nice one uh, out at the Palms. Yeah, yeah have a people unit don't at know, the Palms. You know, a you know. little, little more money, but it's yeah. okay. Come yeah. check it out. Uh-huh. I have a, a pool house in Las Vegas for like, and it's great in the summer. But yeah, like now I have seven houses, a whole business. Nice. I have people working for me, you know, and and then I'm traveling for seminars, you know, and to talk to other people about my experiences in life, and also like. Life has been has been That's great good. to me, That's you know, awesome. and um, so next year I'm I'm gonna get married. Married? Huh? <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm gonna get married. We don't want to release the name. No, we don't want to release the oh, name. Okay, just we will. Yet. <laughs> All right. And what what uh, what month? June. June. Yeah. And this will be in Rio. It's gonna be in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Oh, June tenth. Right. I'm getting married. Thirty three years old. I want to have kids, you know, and I planned all this, you know, yeah. like awesome. Thought, I had a 14-year career, and um, a lot of people are still like, they go like, are you sure you're not going to get back in there? Nope. I go like, no, nope. I moved on, awesome. on to the next. Good for you. Thank you. Man, Claudia, thank you so much for joining us today. It was an, uh, an honor to have you as our first guest here at the podcast. Oh, that's a And is there any shout-outs or any, anything you want to let your fans know? Um. Not really for that. I would like to like leave 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 a message for the people that are are watching, you know. And um, if there is if there is one thing that I want to leave people with today, it's like take care of your finances. Make sure you learn the the how the system works and how you can invest your your fighting money in your life for your future. Take care of your relationships because when I retired, I was like, oh, my God, I, I was fighting for so long and I was so concentrated in fighting and I didn't build any relationships. Like, where is everybody? There right. was nobody there. Right. So build relationships with people that really care about you and keep them close to you. And lastly, take care of your health because without health, we are nothing. I sat with an injury for almost a year, had a really bad post-concussion syndrome. And when I sat with that injury, it was like, wow, I, I wish I took care of my health better. I wish I did less sparring sessions, getting hit in my head. Right. You know, I wish I was more strategic with my right. training schedule. So, you know, I, I would be feeling better if I did that. So take care of your health, everybody. Nice. Well, you guys heard it from Claudia. Thank you guys for joining us today. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. Till next time. Keep evolving in everything that you do.